So what we're talking about, uh, basically, it's a little bit of a carryover from what we were doing, but I'm changing the flavor for the summer. So we're going to be talking about restoring a biblical worldview to church, family, and individual Christians. The reason I did this, I actually, and Josh had sent me a link uh, regarding pastors that were basically the high percentage of pastors that don't have a world, a biblical worldview. So I didn't quite, and I wrote back to him, and I didn't like some of the way they did the research. Uh, it was a little bit, if we'll say, less than on the scholarly level, the way they presented it. So I believe after investigating it a little bit more that uh, the research was properly done, even though they didn't explain it in the bulletin. And it's like, okay, uh, we're going to be looking at some things, and as you have on your handout from Barna, uh, who has linked up from with uh, Arizona Christian University. So I, I, what we're doing, and you say, well, why are we going to this particular documents, if you will. We're going to be going through a lot of them partially. So we're going to do a lot of Bible, but I'm looking at from a, uh, and Barna claims uh, to be a Christian group, as does uh, Arizona Christian University. So I think there's some merit to that at at a minimum, but uh, uh, the reason why is because there's very few groups, if you will, that do good, solid research on things that are taking place in America. And as best we can, we want to avoid, if you will, false fake news kind of thing, which uh, we're inundated with all the time. So at at a minimum, we'll get some good concepts, I think, from the research that we'll look at. And then we're going to be comparing it with uh, biblical uh, stance, what's wrong, what's right, why are these things not where they should be. So on page one of the handout, is basically the the summary of the research that we're going to very quickly go over. On the back, there are uh, the answers, the biblical answers that will go through to the questions that really were improperly answered or poorly answered by many Christians that are in leadership. That is a problem, folks, uh, when leadership, Christian leadership, does not have a biblical worldview. That's a huge problem, and uh, we're seeing it all over the country. We're seeing it all over the world uh, as we slowly slip down that slippery slippery slope. Don't say that too fast. Down the slippery slope of secularism and uh, syncretism and pluralism. So we'll get into all those fancy words and uh, why we need to be on guard and what we can do to change it. All right, let's pray. Uh, Wait a minute. You already prayed, right? Hey, bless this class. Amen. All right, we're good. All right, breaking the syncretism and pluralism of Christian secularization. Now, those are a lot of big big words. Syncretism, basically, the simplistic definition is taking a bunch of different ideas and pulling them uh, into one. Same idea as pluralism, which is used in uh, religions uh, many times. It's It's... Uh, pluralistic. So when we look at, uh, 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 let me start with just as simple as it gets. John chapter 14, verse 6, the simple verse, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes unto the Father but by me. That's myopic. It's not pluralistic. It's not syncretistic. It's not secularized. It is a dogmatic statement by Jesus Christ himself. The world situation right now is 
You can't do that. You cannot say only Jesus is the way. That's not politically correct. Where you well, absolutely, you're there. They're absolutely right. It is not politically correct, but as I like to say, it's biblically spot on. So if we want to have a biblical worldview, folks, I could rabbit trail for the whole half hour and not get to slide one because of what I experience constantly and what you experience. There's many of you that are here in this church now, and I'm not going to name any churches or people or anything else, but there's many of you that have come here after being in churches that refuse to teach on one-third of the Bible, which is prophecy. There are many of you that are here because the church you went to refuses to give the gospel in the service. Maybe they do it once every six months. Maybe have an evangelist come in. And uh, that's a problem. And I'm so happy you're here. I wish it wasn't under those circumstances because others are basically failing to do what God's called uh, the, the church and pastors to do. So, I, I, again, I do it with, uh, I speak the truth in love. I'm not going to name names or churches or anything else. But when, uh, and those watching on the Internet and so forth, when, when you're looking for a good, solid, Bible-believing church, it needs to be a good, solid, Bible-believing church uh, that has a biblical worldview. So we're going to look at some of these things uh, uh, this morning. So Dr. George Barna, Director of Research, Cultural Research Center at Arizona Christian University, put this out on May 10th, 2022. So this is very current. It's up to speed. And uh, we're going to look at some of the statistics here. And you say, well, why are we doing this? Because I want to shock you. <laughs> Straight up. I want us to realize the trouble that Christianity is in today. If we don't understand what me and you are up against, even with Christian friends, and, and by no means, we, we read, what's the last thing we did in the service this morning? We read Philippians 2 about what? Unity. So we're not trying to divide the brethren. We're not trying to cause a fight. We're actually trying to rally God's people back to a biblical worldview. So if, we, if somebody you run into, it's like, well, you know, I think Buddha is a, a good idea. I think this is a good idea. I think that's a good idea. It's like, okay, why? Why? Where's your biblical basis for that? Uh, why is uh, a, a marriage to, uh, between one man and one woman, as uh, pointed out in Genesis, well, why do you believe that uh, it's okay uh, to have intersex or uh, uh, same-sex marriages and gender identity? Prove it. Now, folks, there are Christian churches that are going to adhere to those things. Why? Okay, so we need to understand from a biblical basis what is your worldview? Is it secularized? Is it half-truth, half-secular? Is it pluralistic? Is it this religion, that religion, and that religion, this God, that God, and that God? And we pull them all together, and we're one big happy family? And uh, that's why we're doing this. Okay, again, I could caveat, and I don't want to do it too long. I'm going to read a few things here, then we'll get into the Scriptures, but... Uh, I think it's, uh, uh, I've doctored it up just a little if there were uh, pronouns or adjectives that were not explained. And no, we're not going to pronouns. Anyway, uh, people have many expectations of pastors of Christian churches. One of those expectations is that pastors possess a philosophy of life that largely reflects biblical principles, a perspective commonly called a biblical worldview. Now, a new nationwide survey among a representative sample of America's Christian pastors. Christian. We're not talking liberals. We're not talking, well, they may be liberal. We're not talking uh, churches that don't believe the Word of God. 
These are churches where if you walked into them, they're probably going to have a Bible there. They're probably going to use it, and uh, yet there are issues. But a new nationwide survey among a representative sample of America's Christian pastors shows that a large majority of those pastors do not possess a biblical world view. Just slightly more than a third of pastors, 37%, have a biblical worldview, and the majority, 62%, possess a hybrid worldview known as syncretism. Uh, I was talking to Kim at the break and uh, got a hybrid car. Now, I, it, you explain to me how the hybrid works. Is that part electric, part gas? Right. Okay, so uh, 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 syncretism is instead of having a, a, a car that runs all on electric or all on gas, it's a hybrid. So it pulls, we can run on gas, we can run on electric. Okay, simple. What's happening in the Christian worldview is, well, we can run on the Bible or we can run on whatever X is. Yeah, aunt is right. I'll have to record that and put it on my radio show. Um, anyway. You can't mix them. It's either biblical or it's wrong. Now you say, well, that's, that, that you're being very dogmatic. You're, you're not being kind to others. No, I'm, I'm trying to be biblical. We've got to be biblical. So uh, the last thing, and, and I say this, and I sincerely mean it, the last thing I ever want to do is be unkind to anyone. I don't, I don't like ruffling feathers. I don't like getting people mad. But there, uh, uh, the, the issue is, We've got to stay with what the Bible says. When we get into that syncretistic pluralism, we've got a problem. All right, the new findings come from the American Worldwide Inventory 2022, so just happened, conducted by the Cultural Research Center at Arizona Christian University, administered to a 1,000 Christian pastors to better understand the worldviews that drive their thinking and behavior. Pastors and biblical worldview among all Christian pastors in the United States Slightly more than one out of every three possess a biblical worldview. Uh, every one of us should be going, that can't, I mean, that's, that's craziness. That cannot be. It's impossible. Well, folks, all right. I'm going to do something that Paul did. I'm going to tell about a few things that I do. Not because I'm, I'm trying to promote anything about me, but here's the difference between a pastor who has a biblical worldview and one that doesn't. I speak, and most of you don't even know this, I speak between 4 and 15 times every week. You say, how do you, where are you doing all that speaking? Between TV, radio, um, here, special invites, a lot, a lot of speaking. So I spend, and, and uh, somebody came to my office yesterday and said, what are you doing here on a Saturday? I'm like, oh, I gotta work. Like, you work seven days a week. I said at least. It, it, it. <laughs> but here's here's the thing. And again, it's not about me and what I do. The issue is this: you walk into my office at my home, unannounced, and Valerie, you can ask her and tell her what my desk looks like. I got 50 books going at every single minute of the day. I've got 3,000 books on my Lagos. It, it means study, study, study. Get it right, get it right, get it right. Don't mess around. There are, and I'm going to tattle. I'm not going to say who it is. There are pastors all over the Wisconsin area that instead of studying the Word of God, getting into it, making sure they're getting it right, they go to sermonaudio.com, look up a message, print it off, 
and I watch them as they read the messages from their pulpit. No study time, no involvement, no time with God, and we wonder why we got a problem in America with a Christian worldview. I don't wonder at all. Uh, haven't been in this for some 40, some 45 plus years. So that should be disturbing. Now, there are certain individuals and, uh, uh, that are great preachers and that are wonderful studiers, that, uh, students of the Word, that uh, they will read their messages, but it's not because they got them off of sermonaudio.com. Uh, they're the guys that they're, the messages are being stolen from. Uh, and and, it's, and it's, it's just a plight on what's taking place. So when you don't spend any time studying, when you don't spend any time with God, when you don't spend any time praying, you're going to get 37% of pastors that only have a biblical worldview. So, uh, again, that's a caution. You say, well, Brother Rich, are you putting yourself up as a standard? By no means. By no means at all. I had, uh, he's not in here right now, he'll probably be in uh, tonight. I had an individual uh, a Wednesday night, and yes, I'm caveating, caveating or uh, rabbit trailing, I'll caveat later. Uh, it's in the back of the auditorium, uh, uh, an individual came up to me and said, Rich, uh, I was talking to a Jehovah's Witness last week, and it's like when we're talking about God, when we're talking about the Lord, to our people, do they really understand who Jehovah is? Who is Yahweh? And we're actually going to talk about that tonight. The issue is this. He's absolutely right. From a pluralistic point of view, you could be talking to a Jehovah's Witness about God. Are you talking about the same God? Are you talking about the same Jesus? Are you talking about the same Bible? So these are, and again, sorry for all the, the sidelines here, but that's the problem we're facing. Okay? All right, maybe not okay. The proportion varies by the pastoral position held among senior pastors. Four out of ten, or 41%, have a biblical worldview, the highest instance among any of the five pastoral positions studied. All right, so let's go to a couple of basic biblical things, and we're going to pick up on the statistics in a few moments. So we're looking at a biblical worldview. We might as well start with what God said. Not a bad place to start. In Exodus chapter 20, part of the Ten Commandments, here's what God said about himself. You shall have what? No other gods before me. By the way, are there any other gods be besides God? God, Jehovah. No, there's not. Uh, and I'll, I'll feed into my friend what he, what he said. We're not talking about Allah here, folks. We're talking about God, the creator of all things. We're talking about the one single God. Now, our Jewish friends would say, uh, well, when we're talking about one God, we're talking about God the Father, not three persons. That's why a lot of Jewish people won't come to Christ, because they believe it's tritheism. It's like, there's one God. And I go to my Jewish friends, and I'm like, uh, in the beginning, who created the heavens and the earth? They're like, Elohim. I'm like, is Elohim singular or plural? Next question, please. It's plural, by the way. They won't answer it. All right, you shall have no other gods. In other words, there's only one God, true God, uh, uh, the one we know as God the Father, made up of God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Again, we just went here. Jesus is very myopic. Uh, uh, very, very strong, and there aren't a multiplicity of ways. If you ever hear a pastor or another Christian say, well, come on, uh, uh, how about the folks in Africa that never heard the gospel, and they believe in uh, 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 polytheism, or they believe in uh, 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 the, the, the worship of nature? What's the, what's the one for that? Help me out. What, what's the what is it? Pantheism. Uh, 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 you know, we worship nature, that type of thing. And uh, uh, no, 
There's only, why do we send missionaries? Why do you spend thousands and thousands of dollars sending missionaries to different countries? Well, because there's only one true gospel, uh, and, and it's not pluralistic. Isaiah said, You are my witnesses, says the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen, that you may know and believe who? Me. And understand that I am he. Before me there was no God formed, nor shall there be after me. I, I don't think it takes a whole lot of figuring out what that says. All right? There is no other God before me, and there's not going to be another one after me. I'm it. Now, Satan wants to play God. Satan is a demonic army, and they try and get all sorts of folks to buy into deception in different religions, uh, but there is only one God. I, even I, am the Lord, and besides me there is no Savior. Isaiah 45, I am the Lord, and there is no other. There is no God beside me. I will gird you, uh, though you have not known me, though, that though they may know from the rising of the sun to, this, to its setting that there is none besides me. Myopic not pluralistic, absolute, dogmatic, I am God, period. When you have pastors, Christian leaders, Sunday school teachers, Awana workers, or anywhere else around the country that are buying into a pluralistic God, you've lost a biblical worldview. Verse 7, I form the light and create darkness. I make peace and create calamity. I, the Lord, do all these things. And all God's people said? I mean, there is no other. It's very... Very cent- very centralized. All right, take a look at that beautiful basket. Pretty, right? Oh, I'm making me hungry. Uh, a little early yet. Uh, but look at that. I mean, it's, it's just great. You got apples, you got bananas, you got grapes, you got kiwi, pears, pineapple. It's like, ah, I love a good eclectic fruit basket. The more the merrier. It's beautiful, it's appealing. Everybody in the crowd's probably going to find some piece of that that they can buy into. Everything is good. Variety is good. Okay, I got to go there. Sorry. Old commercial. <laughs> where's where's the, oh, there you are, Ernie. He was going to give me some Burger King coupons, and it turns out they were expired. Uh, <laughs> broke my heart anyway have it your way and god says you can't have it your way you're going to have it my way or no way god's you say well god is he really that harsh on this yeah it's god's way or the highway folks or there there is no other Uh, we just read multiple verses where he makes it very clear to have a biblical worldview you can only believe in the god of the bible so here's what we see happening around uh, Christian circles. So we, uh, from our standpoint, and I'm, obviously I'm going to major on Christianity because uh, I don't be one, uh, a Christian, sorry, uh, but Christianity, that I'm a Christian. You say, well, why are you a Christian? Because I believe the Bible. Why a Christian? Because I've trusted Christ as my Savior. Why am I a Christian? Because Christ changed my life. I'm a Christian because I know that the Holy Spirit came to dwell within me, 1 Corinthians 3, 16, 6, 19. I know I've been changed. I know that according to 2 Corinthians 5, 17, that when I trusted Christ, my life was transformed. I became a new creature in Christ, and I continue to grow in Him. And uh, uh, we have preachers all over the world and locally that uh, uh, if you put up all these other religions, many of even the Christian pastors would say, well, uh, 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 you know, we can't be so myopic in how we approach this. We have to be open to other ways. 
according to what part of the Bible, please? Now, again, I'm not, you say, well, you're talking very dogmatic today. You're talking like one of them old fundamentalist, Baptist, independent Baptist kind of guys. Well, uh, yeah, I, I guess I got to admit that because if they got it right, you've got to stay myopic in your view of God. How myopic? 66 books of the Bible myopic. 31,000 verses of the Bible myopic. Yes, sir. Right, so if you didn't hear what John said, he basically said when he looks at his wife and says, I love you and only you, which, by the way, is a pretty good biblical example the way it should be, and uh, he looks at his wife, is he being unkind to every other lady on the planet? Well, they may feel so that they, you know, but... (laughs) 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 But in reality, you're it. And, And I applaud that, and that's the way it should be, by the way. You should be in love with your wife. I mean, she's it. Now, can you love other people? Yeah, but you can't love anybody else like you love your wife. Uh, uh, you're going to make me caveat. I can't. i got one after time. Anyway, uh, so uh, when we look at Buddhism, Mormonism, polytheism, Islam, Sikhism, by the way, I've got some wonderful Sikh friends uh, after the shooting took place down at the Sikh temple when I was still part of the sheriff's office. I got some wonderful friends. I actually hired one of their guys, a uh, wonderful deputy. Uh, I love the people. I love them. I love the, the, the folks that practice Islam or mysticism or Hinduism or Scientology or Taoism or Spiritism or are atheists. I still love these people. But I don't agree with them. Can you love? Yeah, Michelle. That's a good point. Did they, if you didn't hear Michelle, what she basically said, do these other groups allow, would they be happy to have Christians come there in a, in a pluralistic way. Well, they'd be happy maybe if you showed up at their service, but as soon as you announce who you are, they probably usher you right out the door. And, and that's a very good point. All right, so when we look at the, and that's a big box, by the way, if you look at it, a big cardboard box, and we put everything into one box, and everything's okay, and it's all good. No, it's not. It's basically, uh, from a biblical worldview, you can only have the one in the center. The rest are not allowed in the box. Now, again, you say, well, then we should make a stand and say, listen, you shouldn't be this, this. Speak the truth in what? So, my point this morning is not to say, listen, these, man, these guys, every single person that hasn't trusted Christ is what? They're a sinner. Same as, I mean, every single one of us, we're all sinners, but we're all sinners what? That have trusted Christ. We're sinners what? Saved by grace. grace, All right? So you say, well, do you despise these people? Do they make you upset? Do they make you mad? Of course not. The person who practices Islam is, uh, I'm going to love them the same as a person who's who's an atheist or uh, uh, believes in something else or doesn't follow the scriptures at all. Because until they come to Christ, I don't expect them to know the truth. That's what God's called us to so we love these people, we pray for them, we witness to them, we hand out tracts, I hand out books now, I need a bigger budget. Anyway, um, it, it's just the way it is because we want to help folks. Secularism, pluralism, 
syncretism is uh, it's going to destroy who we are. The Bible makes it very clear the Christian church will never be destroyed by what's outside, but by what? That's why we talked about what we did this morning. We've got to be so careful, so careful uh, in our society. All right, let's go back to a few statistics. Next highest uh, among those who had a world view, 28% among associate pastors, uh, less than half as many teaching pastors and children's and youth pastors have a biblical worldview. Folks, this just should, I mean, I don't want to make you mad, but you kind of got to be mad about this. It's like, this ought to irk you. It's like, what are we doing in the church today? And I'm talking church universal, not just Union Grove Baptist Church. I believe we've got a good, strong worldview here. We, we use curriculum that's uh, uh, strong on a strong biblical worldview. We spend a ton, by the way, you look at the budget when it comes out, and those of you that are part of the church, and you look at the budget, we spend a, t- a, good, a good bunch of money to get good, solid Bible-believing curriculum. It's expensive, yep. Capitalism is alive and well in Christianity, too, but the stuff costs money. Those of you that, uh, I was talking to Valerie about uh, Christian school. Uh, we got a couple of families, they, they send their kids to a, a, a local, and it's good school, a local good Christian school, and uh, it's a choice school. And I asked uh, one of the people the other day, I said, how much do you pay uh, to send your child to school? $1,800 a year. And some of you are saying, and I'm talking preschool, by the way, or like first grade, and you're like, man, that's a lot of money. You want to know how much bad, uh, and Valerie says, don't tell them, but uh, you want to know how much I spent to send my kids to Christian school? <laughs> you multiply that times almost 10. You're like, are you crazy? No, that's, I was willing to do it. Now, most folks in today's economy and all that, and I, you know, I was fortunate the Lord blessed us and we were able to do it, but it's expensive, very expensive. I won't tell you how much I paid to put Trevor in, uh, you know, a good solid college. Costs money. Yeah, there you go. Uh, it's expensive, but but here's the point. And I'm and I'm not trying to push for Christian. Well, I am. Uh, I'm not trying to push an agenda here. The issue is, if you want things done in a biblical way, sometimes. You have to do some investing. All right, less than 1% of pastors embody a worldview other than biblical theism. Well, that 1%, by the way, I would question whether if you you can't even uh, get that far, probably shouldn't be in the ministry, and probably you want to uh, check your uh, uh, position with the Lord. Instead, the pervading worldview is best described as syncretism, the blending of ideas and applications from a variety of holistic worldviews into unique but inconsistent combination that re- represents their personal what? We've talked about preferences and convictions in here in past classes. A conviction is something you will what for? You die for it. I mean, that's hard down. A preference is what color do I want the carpet today? What color do I want the pews? Do I, my preference is that we, that we don't fight same-sex marriage, or that we don't fight, uh, yeah, same-sex marriages. 
and I'm sorry to keep picking on that. It's probably the most easy one, and it's the most prolific right now in the media. Um, and, and when you start to say those things, which are 100% against what the Scripture teaches, that's a problem. More than 6 out of 10 pastors, 62% have a predominantly syncretistic worldview. In other words, they're pulling in the Bible plus other things. 37% of Christian pastors have a biblical worldview compared to just 2% of the parents of preteens. Starting in September, we're going to be adding a fourth class to Union Grove Baptist Church. I'm not going to announce it yet or who it is. But we're going to go hog wild going after young couples across not just here at church, but across our area. If you look around, we're, we have a, a nice variety of ages, but the what, toughest ones to reach are the young couples, the young families. And you want to know why that is? 2% of parents of preteens have a biblical worldview. Why? Because they've been secularized all their life. They've been watching media all their life. And now they've got a secular worldview with a little Christianity thrown in. They might be Christians, they might be saved, which is great. But we're raising the next generation of those that aren't going to have a biblical worldview. One group within the general public that is more likely to possess a biblical worldview than pastors. Who has a bit more biblical worldview than pastors? It's called, they call it the sage cons. Spiritually active governance engaged conservative Christians. You know what they're saying? Those that are, and we got we got a we got a few in our room right now. Right, Adam? <laughs> what it's saying is that a person involved in politics that loves the Lord are more likely to have a Christian worldview than the pastor. Not happening, buddy, not on my watch. But anyway. <laughs> But it's true. Because why? They're fighting for what they believe in. Will a pastor fight for what he believes in? You say, Pastor, why'd you just raise your voice? I want to prove I can fight. (laughs) But you got to. In this whole messed up world, a pastor better take a stand or he better stand down. Go home. Don't need you. Get out of the pulpit. Stop wrecking people's lives. You say, man, you're really fired up today. No, you haven't seen nothing yet. But uh, uh, here's, here's the thing. Don't mess with God's Word. If we love God, we're going to have a biblical worldview, then we need to stand strong. I don't want some politician having more biblical worldview than me. I mean, that's unthinkable. I want him to have the same one I have, or I want to have the same one he or she has. Can't compromise. The worldview deficit in the pulpits during these challenging times in America, Christian churches have tremendous opportunities for influence in our nation. However, when the worldview of the leaders, i.e. pastors and most churches, is indistinguishable from that of non-believers, it is difficult to capitalize on those ministry opportunities. And I say amen. All right, I'm going to move ahead. We're going to run out of time, so I want to get to the Bible. We'll come back to this later. Come on, keep going. All right. So let's look, if you look on your sheet, and we've got about five minutes. So if you look on this sheet, it goes through the top portion about who has a biblical worldview according to this survey, and you can look at it. So pastors, about 37%, people in ministry, uh, an executive pastor, an executive, you know who executive pastors are? We don't have one here. Probably never will. An executive pastor is the guy that tells all the pastors what to do. 
kind of leads everything. So he kind of runs the place. There's big, big, giant churches have executive pastors. An executive pastor, 4% of them have a biblical worldview. Are you kidding me? That's not a pastor. Okay, let's go down to the bottom. Here's the, question, the, the categories of questions that these 1,000 pastors were asked about. Your calling, family, value of life, God, creation, history, faith, sin, salvation, your relationship with God, human character and nature. You know, you know, how many pastors know that we're born sinners because Adam was a sinner and death passed upon all men for all sin? I'll bet you 90% of pastors don't even know the verse. You say, serious? I wish I wasn't. Lifestyle, behavior, relationships. Last week we talked about the sanctity of sex within marriage and the importance of it. You know how many pastors I know that are immoral? You know how many have been kicked out of pulpits because they can't keep their eyes and hands off of the females? Yeah. I won't mention his name, but Jack Scott, former pastor of uh, Hammond, Indiana, where one of the world's, it was touted as the world's largest Sunday school. Stupid, leaves his phone on the pulpit one day. It's about nine years ago, ten years ago. 20,000 people would show up in Sunday school on a big day. 20,000. Pastor leaves his phone on the pulpit and forgot to turn it off. And up pops little lovely teenager in his youth group talking about how they're going to meet that night. <laughs> Be sure your what will find you out. Yeah. A nice deacon who, for, who fortunately didn't cover it up took it, and he got nine years in federal prison, just got out last month. Wife left him. 20,000 people, about 7,000 in a normal service. Folks, it happens all the time. He just got caught. Many get caught. Um, why did I go there? Stress a point, folks. Uh, Bible, truth, morals, a very small portion. All right, a couple of things, and then we'll quit. So call to ministry. Uh, if, if you're not called by, by God, you don't belong in the pulpit, by the way. You better have a calling from God. I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called, with all lowliness and gentleness, with longsuffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. And he himself, God, gave some to be apostles, prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for what? the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. When God calls someone into the ministry and they get trained and they're not a novice, God says if somebody gets, just gets saved, don't put them in the pulpit for goodness sakes. They need to be trained. They need to be tested. We wonder why so many churches have closed their doors over the COVID times. Because you got young novices that aren't willing to stick it out. They don't know the Word of God. They won't go out and, and tell folks about Jesus. They have no heart for doing evangelistic ministry. But one day they heard somebody preaching a pulpit, if you're going to be right with God, you need to go into the ministry. You need to forsake all and join the ministry and become a man of God. Nonsense. If God doesn't call you, stay out of the pulpit. You say, are you serious? I'm dead serious because that's what God just said here. All right. So we have a bunch of... Uh, uh, 
people in pulpits, by the way, a lot of teachers that don't know their Bible, not called by God, have a syncretistic worldview, and we wonder why Christianity is having a problem. All right, one more and we'll quit. <laughs> Good one to end on. The family. The big issue right now is Roe versus Wade. All the riots, all the, all the marches, all the different things, and all the different pastors say, well, you know, I'm not for abortion, but what are you going to do? And uh, 37% of us say, well, well, here's what you're going to do. You're going to cry out against it. Now, we can't stop the world from doing what the world's going to do. Understood that. We're not, we're not big enough, not strong enough. We pray, we ask God to do the right, uh, uh, help us to do the right thing. But Jeremiah 1, 4, 5, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you a prophet to the nations. God speaking to Jeremiah. Psalm 139, for you formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you for I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works and that my soul knows very well. I'm going to end with this. I'm going to be nasty for a moment. I'm not going to say who it is, but if you've seen this on the television, I about blew a gasket when I saw it. He said, you watch TV? Guilty. Okay, I do watch some. I'm watching a commercial. Hi, my name is so-and-so. He mentions his party. Him, his wife, and their little baby. <laughs> You've seen it. I stand for a woman's right to choose. I'm like, knucklehead, do you know what you have sitting in your wife's lap right now? What if we choose to say your child doesn't deserve to live right now? Are you good with that? Are you good with the fact that your wife could have, that sweet little thing that you're holding on, on your lap, say, listen, you know, if we didn't want her, we wouldn't have her because it's my wife's right. Now, I'm really, I'm, I'm really going on a limb here, so please forgive me. The moment a lady makes the decision, unless rape is involved, to have a relationship with a man, that's the decisions already made. If you don't want a baby, <laughs> stay away from hubby or stay away from uh, the immoral acts that are taking place across our country. If you don't want a baby, then uh, stay away from a man. Oh, that's politically... Yeah, it's very politically incorrect. We want our rights to be able to do what we want with our bodies. Well, God says, listen... Go back to Genesis. One man, one woman, keep your hands off of her, and you, madam, keep your hands off of him until you decide to put the rings on the finger, walk down the aisle, and commit yourself to each other. Otherwise, zip it up. Yeah. Right. So, I know that's harsh. But you know what? If we don't get harsh, the nonsense that's happening around our country is just going to keep on, keep on, keep on. Soft soap the pulpit, soft soap the Bible, secular syncretistic world view, and we can just keep wrecking the church. And God says, knock it off. Let's get right with God. Let's get back on track. Let's do right. Now, for those that were offended by what I said, I'm sorry. I don't mean to offend you, but, I'm not gonna, but I can't compromise truth, so that I'm not sorry for. Um, but, folks, we just got to keep on keeping on. Father, thank you for your love for us. These reports should get our attention. They should make us furious with what's taking place. Not to hate the folks that are doing wrong, but for us that know Christ and are willing to do right, 
Help us to take a firm stance on these issues. Help us to watch our families. Help us to guard our hearts. Help us to get back to a biblical worldview. Help us to throw out the philosophers and the psychologists and psychiatrists and all the nonsense that's taking place. Help us to get back to loving people to Jesus and Jesus alone. Help us not to be afraid to say, listen, I understand where you're coming from, but let me show you what the Word of God has to say. And lovingly and tenderly share the greatest news ever given to mankind, that Christ Jesus alone came into this world to save sinners. Father, I I pray that you'd strengthen us. I know uh, uh, we're a little strong today on these things, but Father, I think that's where we need to be in a day for such a time as this. We uh, ask that you'll dismiss us with your blessing now. We commit all this to you and all God's people said. All right, folks, charge in love.